But this morning to talk about grace, um, which is such a theme of Jesus' coming, and to read these words from Luke chapter 6, beginning to read at verse 27. This is God's word. Jesus says, But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who will treat you. If someone strikes you in one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful. Just as your Father is merciful. Amen. Let us pray. Father, you are a a God who reveals yourself, who speaks to us. You did not just make this world beautiful for us to enjoy and to marvel at its amazingness and powerfulness and beauty but that you're also a God who reveals the kind of God that you are. You speak to us about what you're like and what it means to follow you and worship you. And so, Lord, we've come to worship you today. Some of us have come with anxious hearts and loads and struggles that are going on in our daily lives. And this is the right place to be with those kind of burdens and struggles. Because, Lord, you are the creator, the sustainer, the lover of our souls in Jesus. And therefore, Lord, we come to you this morning. We pray that you will help us to know, just as you care for us, the care of others in our lives. And that also we will learn to care for those who cannot care for themselves. Help us to remember, Lord, that all humanity is made in your image. We pray against sectarianism and racism in our community. We pray you'll give us the patience to listen to others who are different from us. That you'll give us the power to love others who are different from us. As Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us. We give thanks, Lord, for those who have cared for us in times of weakness, for those who have lifted us and given us new hope. 
We give you thanks, Lord, for those who have guided us when we were young, in our families, in our church, in our organizations, in our friendships. Lord, thank you that we can discern your presence in these situations of our earthly journey. Some of our lives have been marked by distressing and negative experiences which are hard to get over. Lord, you know there is nothing to give thanks for in such memories. But Lord, you've brought us to this day. You've guided us through and beyond such times. We thank you that you are our good shepherd who is with us today. Lord, give us wisdom in our lives. Give us your peace and presence. Be our strength in times of weakness. Protect us and our loved ones at all times. Lead us, Lord. You are our great healer and our redeemer. And you will not allow us to be lost. Lord, we commit our lives to your loving care today. And just as we have read your word, we pray that you will help us to apply it to our earthly journey this morning, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 6, one of those passages that I'm sure that you have read many times and wondered, maybe Jesus is asking too much of us in our lives. My point this morning is quite simple. The way you live your Christian life reflects the kind of God that you believe in. So if God is a God of grace, do you reflect grace in your life? Philip Yancey, in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, um, tells at one point about this um, woman who lived in the city, um, a street worker, um, she came to this Christian who was organizing, a, ran a city mission. This woman came to him in distress. She was homesick. She was sick herself with an illness. She had no money even to feed her two-year-old daughter. And she had started selling her daughter out. And the man, the Christian man, just could not bear hearing the pain of her story and what was happening in her life. And he didn't know what to say. And so he said to her, have you ever thought about going to church? And he said he'll never remember the shock in the woman's face when he said those words, because she said, church, why on earth would I go there? I'm already feeling terrible about myself. They would only make me feel worse. And Philip Yancey in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace?, shows how that broken people uh, and sinners and desperate people, they fled towards Jesus, not away from him. That the worse a person felt about themselves, the more they saw Jesus as a refuge for their problem, for, for their brokenness. John chapter 1 is a summary of the rest of the Gospel of John. Jesus is a person full of grace and truth. Why are our churches not places for broken people to run to if our role is to reflect the character of Jesus to a broken world? 
I love what it says on your website. That everybody is welcome at this church, no matter what you're going through, no matter how broken or, or whatever you are. And that is a great foundation, a great atmosphere of worship. And for anybody who comes here, everybody is welcome. I want us to reflect this morning on this calling that if we believe in a God of grace, then our lives should reflect the character of the God of grace that we worship. And this came back to me in a, a visit to Malawi that I took in, in September 2017. And some of you may have heard this story before because it was quite powerful in my life. Um, as part of my sabbatical, um, I went to Malawi for four weeks. Um, you probably know I'd previously lived there for nine years with my family. So I was there for four weeks and foolishly, I made a mistake in my money. Um, I brought with me American dollars and sterling Bank of England notes uh, to change into Malawian kwacha. And about two weeks into the trip, I found that I had no Malawian kwacha left. But up to that point, people were only wanted American dollars. So I'd got rid of all those and all I had left was Bank of England notes. But the bank in the little place where I was wouldn't accept Bank of England notes. I didn't have enough money left, Malawi and Kwacha, to get the minibus an hour's journey up to the next major town where the banks there I knew would accept sterling. So I was stuck, uh, and I really can't believe how foolish I was in not planning ahead, but I was stuck and I was in a dilemma. I, had, I couldn't move without new currency. So I asked the businessman outside the bank, where, who, does he know anybody would, would change 20 pound note and he said he didn't want it but try across the road so I went across the road to this these little roadside uh, businesses if, if you've ever seen been to Africa or seen them on TV so you know what they're like they don't sell much but you get your commodities there so I went into this business and told my story again this is the second time I had to tell it I'm stuck of no Malawi and Kwacha. If you just change one 20 pound note I could get enough to go up to a place called Karonga to the banks there um, he says no I don't want, if you know American dollars, I don't want them. I said, my heart sank. He said, but try two doors down. So I went two doors down, went into this business, this man, told my story again for a third time. If, I could, if he could just change one 20-pound note, it's all I need. I'm so desperate now. You can, you can take any current exchange rate you want. It could be the worst exchange rate in the whole of the country. I don't care. Just give me Malawi and Kwachi. I was desperate told my story again, and then he said, no, I don't want your money. And my heart sank, because I think he was my last hope. But then he said, but I'll give you the money. And I said, yes, and I'll pay you back. When I come back, he says, no, you don't have to pay me back. I'll give you the money. This man's not a rich man. You know, bags of rice, toothpaste, Things that aren't perishable. That's what he sells in his little shop. He says, I'll give you the money. I says, why? I'm a stranger. You don't know me. I'll probably never be back in your life again. Why are you being so kind to me? Why are you going to give me this money? And his answer is something that I'll take with me the rest of my life. He says, I am from Rwanda. Someone help me and my family escape from Rwanda. 
And so it's not too hard for me to give you the money you need to help you. And with that, he went outside his shop, which I now know is two doors down to his sister's shop, got some money from her, came back to me. He reached into his pocket, took out the remaining money and gave me the money. And I went and caught my bus. If you knew how stuck I was in that little lake side community, uh, just below Livingstonia, where I was going to go for three weeks, how worried I was about what I was going to do, you will appreciate how overwhelmed I was and I felt by the generosity and kindness of this stranger in my life. What did I experience that day, in that moment? I experienced grace in all its power and beauty. What is grace? Grace is the goodness, kindness, or favor shown to someone whether they are worthy to receive it or not. It's grace because the kindness arises in the heart of the giver. It's not dependent on the worthiness of the recipient. So grace can be shown to a stranger or an enemy because it's not about whether they are good enough to receive it. It's about their need. Grace arises from the heart of a generous person to meet anyone who has need. So here in the middle of Malawi, I got a lesson in something that I had preached about for 20 years of my life, but suddenly I experienced it in all its power and beauty. John chapter 1. We have seen the glory of Jesus, the glory of the only one who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. And suddenly, everything that you read about in Jesus' life and his parables, everything arises out of Jesus' heart of grace. Grace that arises out of his favor and kindness and goodness, that it's not dependent on whether somebody is worthy to receive it or not. It's dependent on whether they need it. And so anybody who runs to him and says, can you help me? His grace reaches out his hands and heals them or touches them or preaches God's word to them. And so Jesus eats with both social outcasts and religious leaders. He heals beggars on the periphery of society, as well as the children of synagogue rulers. He sits down with Jews and Samaritans, men and women, children and adults. He tells stories about God's grace, like the story of a prodigal uh, son and a father's compassion for that wayward son. He meets a woman and he sees her crying at his feet and he says, your sins, though they are many, are forgiven. Go and sin no more. When Jesus dies on a cross, it's because we have a real need and he in his graciousness reaches out in his way of meeting our need and the ultimate way is to give his own life for that. So when John chapter 1 talks about Jesus being full of grace, it's not just talking about little incidences when he's kind and helpful to people. It's his whole ministry that ends on a cross itself. 
So take these words from Luke chapter 6. On the face of it, they seem to be some of the most difficult requirements about being a follower of Jesus. Love not just people who love you back, but love even somebody who's your enemy. Do good, not just to those people who do good to you, but do good even to people who hate you. Bless those who not just bless you and wish you well in life, but actually who curse your life. Bless those who curse you. Lend without expecting repayment. See, on the face of it, it just doesn't seem right. And the problem is we do not read it from God's perspective. Verse 36, be merciful. Why? Just as your father is merciful. Being a disciple of Jesus is about reflecting the character of God in your life. What God is like, we are to be like. Go home today and read Matthew chapter 20. Jesus tells a parable about a farmer who hired people to go into his vineyards. The farmer goes out at sunset and he sees the people in the, in, the, um, in, in the market area who are looking for work. He says to them in Jesus' parable, come and work for me and I'll give you a denarius. A denarius was a, a day's wage for a laborer. They come and work in his vineyard. The farmer goes out about noontime, sees some other people looking for work. He says, come and work in my vineyard and I'll give you a denarius, a, a day's wage. So they come and work. And Jesus' parable, maybe an hour before the, the day's work ends, he goes out, the farmer goes out and he sees some more men looking for work. He says, come and work for me uh, and I'll give you a denarius. And so they come and work for him. In those days, people were paid at the end of the day. People only had bread for the day, a wage for the day. So at the end of the day, the farmer gathers the workers and those that have just worked an hour they get paid the denarius. And you can imagine that those who've been working all day see that if they just got paid a denarius for one hour's work, then what are we going to get paid? Because we've worked all the day. And then it comes to their payday and they also get the same. They get a denarius. And in Jesus' parable, they grumble against the owner. We have borne the heat of the day, they complain. In other words, we've worked 12 hours under the blazing hot sun. These latecomers haven't even sweated. And yet they have received exactly the same pay as us. That's not fair. But Jesus is telling a story about grace. And in grace, it's not about finishing last or first. It's about not counting. In Jesus' parable, the owner says, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? In the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, the driving force of being in God's family is not merit or ability, but grace. God's grace to us, no matter who we are, no matter how wayward or prodigal we are, God's grace that reaches us and brings us together in worship of a great God. The way you live the Christian life reflects the kind of God you believe in. If you believe in a God of grace, then your life will reflect grace. After the Malawian shopkeeper gave me the money, I thanked him and was on my way. Took an hour's journey up to this 
major banking area in, in Karonga, but the whole journey I couldn't help stop thinking about this man that I had met. Why was I so astonished by his kindness, by this grace encounter? Why was my experience of grace so rare? And I think one of the reasons is I was in a desperate situation and and for a lot of my life, I'm not so desperate. It's under control. But I know many people who are going through desperate situations. So how many people have I shown such grace to? And I was convicted that he taught me a lesson in, in Christian theology and I don't even know whether he was a Christian or not. I thought about what's gone wrong with my Christian life. That I am not a person of generous grace. And yet I'm a person who sings about amazing grace. Has God changed or have I not really comprehended who he really is? Remember what I asked him. Why are you being so kind to me? I'm a stranger to you. Remember what he said? I'm from Rwanda. Someone help me and my family get out of Rwanda. And so it's not hard for me to give you the money you need. I don't know whether it was the genocide of 94, which some of you will remember how horrific that was, that he and his sister were helped out as young people, or whether it was more recently that someone helped him start a new life in Malawi. Whatever that help was from that one person who helped him, his life was never the same again. Someone saved my life. Someone showed me in Rwanda unbelievable favor and kindness that my life will never be the same again. And so in the light of that enormous grace, it's not difficult for me to show you a little bit of kindness in your need. And with that, he gives me the bus fare to Karonga, which is probably about a Um, one or two days pay for him so I thought about Jesus died for me he gave his life for me how has his salvation transformed my ability to be generous and kind and gracious to others be merciful Jesus says just as your father is merciful so love your enemy because he loves you Do good to those who hate you, because he does good to you. Bless those who who curse you and have no interest in your life and want to see you fail. Because only this kind of love to others reveals the power of God's grace in our world. So today, think of the best thing you can do for the worst person you know. And go ahead and do it. Surprise them. Shock them with grace. Think of what you'd really like to do, someone to do for you, and you go and do it for them. Surprise them with generous grace. Think of the people to whom you are tempted to be nasty to and to talk down about and lavish generosity on them instead. Do it. Because it's not about you or even your hurt in your life, but it's about who God is and you worship him and follow him. Be merciful and gracious today, even to your enemy, because that is what God is like. And that is what God has been like to you.
just to close, there is a final part to this story. Got up to the bank. I just changed every Bank of England note I had. I wasn't going to be left stuck again. And uh, I, had a ba- I had a rucksack full of money on my way back. And I couldn't wait to go to my next place. So I could just say, I'm here for three weeks. Here's all the money now. Because it was a bit of a risk carrying it. But on the minibus back, I knew I'd be passing his shop. I just couldn't imagine me going past with a rucksack full of money, past the shop of this poor Malawian shopkeeper. He told me he didn't want the money back, but I just didn't feel right just to keep on going. Do I stay on the bus or do I get off? What would you have done? His grace was unsettling to me. I didn't know how to handle grace. How do you respond to generous grace in your life? If I got out, was I going to repay him? But then I've made his grace into a debt that needs to be paid. And I've taken away his generosity by repaying. So I can't repay him because then I've made it no longer grace. Grace arises from the generous heart of a giver. It's not dependent on someone repaying you back. Jesus said, lend without expecting anything in return. Just give it. But do I keep going? A big part of theology and the way that we read the Bible as Presbyterians and as evangelicals is that you can't earn God's favor. God lavishes grace on you. But thankfulness is the way you respond to it. So a good illustration of my children. In my family, their behavior is not dependent on them staying in my family. Even if they misbehave, they're still, I'm still their father. They're still my son and daughter. But if they appreciate being in our family, their, their response is to be thankful. And that's the way we read the Bible. God has been gracious to us. God has saved us. How do we respond to that? We respond with thankfulness. And so I decided that I would get off the bus and I wouldn't repay his grace because he didn't want the money back, but I would show my thankfulness to him. So I went to his shop and I bought everything that I could use or could give away. Didn't go to repay his grace, but to show my thankfulness for what he had done for me. The way you live the Christian life reflects the kind of God you believe in. If God is a God of lavish, generous grace, and we see that in Jesus, your life needs to reflect that astonishing, generous grace. So show his grace to anyone in need in this week ahead. Freely give it as Jesus freely gave his son for us and our salvation and our eternal hope.